Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is Paul Arnold, your host. I'm joined by Ernest Watts and my son David Arnold, and we're all happy tonight We're because we're all North Carolina fans. And if you're a Duke fan, just turn your channel. Just turn us off. You're not going to like this one bit because tonight, of all nights, Ernest, why is this a sweet night for you? Oh, well, we had to have a quad one win to kind of guarantee we were going to be in the tournament. And this was Kay's last regular season game, unless they get in the NIT, I guess, uh, regular season game at, in, in the old uh, Duke Stadium. And it, it was nice. This was unexpected. I mean, we struggled. We had to go to overtime. We, boy, I hate to use that pejorative image. <laughs> they had to uh, go in overtime to beat Syracuse. Not exactly a, a big ch- at home. So this is entirely unexpected, but all week it's been a love fest. I mean, like Kay's the second coming or something. And, you know, he there's a tournament coming. He's not passing away, but uh, it's been good. It helps, helps us, gives us momentum, because I consider this to be a wide-open year. I think any team in the top 40 that gets hot can take it this year. And, and, and again, I've been so confused all year long with What's a quad one? What's a quad two? Because you can beat a team as quad one at that time, and then if they get worse, they're not a quad one win anymore. And the old days, you just took the best teams. I mean, if you had a pretty much if you had a winning record in a, a, a Big Five conference, you were pretty much guaranteed to get in the tournament. Nowadays, that that just doesn't happen. But it's it's good. Always good to beat Duke. Well, you know, <laughs> growing up, there are always three days on my calendar that that made my year really feel good as, as a kid it was anytime duke lost in the tournament an ncaa tournament anytime the yankees were eliminated from the playoffs which didn't happen very regularly as a kid uh but you know happens every year now if they even make the playoffs and then anytime ohio state lost regular season and playoffs bowl game whatever um, I think tonight kind of feels like one of those nights where they were eliminated from the NCAA tournament. With so much on the line, yeah, feels good, man. Feels here's good. The, here's the wild part. They still finished first in the conference, and it's the first time they finished first in the conference in 10 years. Yeah, he, he's a tournament, tournament coach. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, regular, regular season, I mean, it, it pretty much has been devaluated since they went to, you know, well, I have to go back to 1973 is when they started letting two teams go in the conference to play. And the only two teams to play, first two teams of the same conference to play for a championship were, trivia uh, question. Your dad should know this. Uh, well, wait, so. First two, first two teams of the same conference to play for the NCAA men's championship. Let's say NC State and. Mm. No, no, because they played Houston. Um, the last undefeated team was who? Indiana. So Indiana and Michigan State. No, Michigan. No, they played Michigan. Wait, you say in the in the national title game? Yeah. Yeah, 1976. Yep. Wow. I totally forgot that Michigan was in the national title game you back then. You probably don't know who Ricky Green is. You, he was the star of that You team. get a pass, David. You weren't born yet, so that's okay. Oof. Yeah, wow. Well. Oh. That's Michigan basketball history. That's you yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you know who Andre Jobert is, David? No, actually, the judge. I, do, I don't. I don't. Oh my! You want to explain the wonder of the great perm of <laughs> Andre Jobert? Andre Jobert was a uh, 
plate power forward who's only about 6'5". And he had this sweet Jerry Curl that went down to his shoulders from Michigan. <laughs> I mean, it's the sweetest Jerry Curl of all time. It's, if you talk about all-time college haircuts, he's in your hall, haircut hall of fame in college <laughs> basketball. What do you read, Paul? So I would agree, and Dan Patrick would give him a seal of approval. Dan Patrick's always talking about his hair. Yes. Yeah, so he yes. was called the judge. He came out of Detroit, Jobin, and uh, he was a great player. But that leads to... A lot of different questions, but let's stay on the North Carolina Duke train a little bit longer. Um, of all matchups in college basketball, besides North Carolina Duke, what do you think are the greatest matchups or um, longtime rivalries? Wow. I mean, there's not that many conferences that have those teams. Maryland and Duke used to be pretty strong when Maryland was in the ACC. There's an obvious Jared, one here. Kentucky, Indiana Jared, has to be. Kentucky, Indiana and Kentucky, Louisville yes. are, the, are the two. Kentucky, Louisville, yeah. Right, Kentucky and Indiana don't even allow themselves to play each other anymore. Arizona, right? Arizona UCLA yeah. since, the, since the pack since became the Pac-12. Oklahoma and Kansas used to have some great games with when, yeah, How about Georgetown were, St. John's in the day? Ooh, Lou Karnasaka with the sweaters. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, Oya paranoia. Anytime the five of Philadelphia play each other, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the yeah. big five in Philadelphia. Uh, uh, Syracuse and Georgetown were some yeah, great games. Yeah, that was too. huge. Bayheim and, and, and John Thompson. That's when the Big East was the Big East. Well, yeah, and that's what you think about, like, the Big East tournament, in a way, just felt like, I guess, none of the any specific two really felt like the biggest rivalry in college basketball. But the entire tournament itself, or the entire conference itself, just felt like such a fun rivalry that that's so much fun to tune into. You know, now they have what is left. Uh, and now that UConn is back in the Big East, that kind of... Uh, yeah, revives the, the feelings a little bit, but yes. You don't have the coaches that you used no. to have. No. Or Syracuse. Calhoun, Calhoun and, and Karnaseka and those guys. And If you get a chance on ESPN Plus, if you've got 10 hours to waste, <laughs> there's a great little series called The Tournament, which is all about the ACC tournament. It virtually was the tournament to start out. And, and it follows it every year and the history and it shows a lot about the the game that to this day I say is the greatest basketball game we ever saw, which was the 103-101 uh, NC State. David Thompson uh, win over Leftwich uh, Maryland, in which the entire game there were no turnovers by either team. Wow, wow, that's just bad defense. <laughs> no, I don't know. It was it was that's without a three point line too. Remember that. So, yeah, I, mean, I try. I, you know, as a as a referee, and I've been roughing. I've been I've been gone for like four or five months because I've been roughing during the basketball season. I try to imagine what it would be like uh, as a ref without a three point line, and, and just the physicality easier, down easier. low. I I know, but the physicality down low. There's no space, right? It was all it was all inside, no in and out. Um, Totally different game. You you don't see post ups anymore at all at the high school level at all like zero. Um, yeah, just interesting thought there. That you know the lack of post up play. That's why I would I would love to see a final of Auburn and Purdue. 
<laughs> See, those two big guys. No, words you never no, thought no. you would say. No, right? Bruce Pearl. No, 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 no. Well, no. I'm not just like the post play. I like those the two seven footers going against each other. I think that would be fascinating to see. But now, if you did, I'll tell you, if you had someone to pick, who do you think is going to win it right now? Uh, oh, give me, give me Arizona as a, as a, as a shout from. I don't, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a surprise pick or not, but uh, what is the the guy who was the head assistant at Gonzaga for so long? That's now Arizona. He is just a mastermind, right? Like it, it really seems like, oh wow, this guy's been hiding for from us for so long. How did Mark Few um, keep him under wraps? Give me Arizona, man. I, I just think that they might just have what it takes this year, man. What about you, Ernest? You know, that's the same team I was going to pick, too. I've been very impressed in what they've done. And uh, they've got the most wins. Hard to believe this year is they've got the most wins they've ever had, even more than they ever had with Ludo. How do, you, how do you turn around a culture in six months? I know. Ten months. I, mean, I, I cannot believe the job they've done there to just what was left um, when, ah, what's it? Sean what's Miller. Left? Yeah, Sean Miller. Mr. Sweat threw his shirt every single game. Um, <laughs> they should never wear a white shirt, that dude. It was just, you know, he recruited <laughs> so well, but yeah. Well, we and, know why. The FBI showed yeah, FBI why they recruited so well. Well, yeah, so, but he recruited so well, but that culture was just as toxic as any five-star culture short of Memphis uh, could possibly uh, be. Should I introduce you to Kansas? No, K- Kansas you could consider toxic and that whole thing, but they, they win, right? They win, man. Well, like, so does, so does LSU and Auburn and they're just as toxic. Yeah. 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 Well, if we're talking about elite recruiting, toxic programs, elite, elite, um, I think Arizona for what happened over the past few years, just how that entire thing ended up, um, felt so dreary. And I felt like it might have to be a rebuild and, and, Twelve months later, we're looking at not a rebuild. Very much not a rebuild. So, which fan base is the demands the most in college basketball? Like they want Kansas, to win. Oh, Kansas, Kentucky. Kentucky. Oh yeah, you're right, Kentucky. You're right, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't Kentucky. mention Kentucky at all. You don't think they're going to run very far, Ernest? No, I mean they're just not being consistent. They're probably the third best team in the SEC, and Tommy Lloyd is the name of the. The coach at uh, Arizona. We give him credit. I mean, like, and I guess we should have probably known Kentucky wasn't going to be at their very, very best when Calipari uh, dropped Michigan from their schedule before the season started. <laughs> I said, no, we're not going to play you guys this year. And then in the past two weeks has rescheduled the Michigan game for next season after seeing uh, immediately, immediately after the Juwan Howard fight. Immediately well, but- rescheduled the game for next year. So... Uh, Washington, who's their point guard, has been injured so much this year. I kind of wonder if his health's enough. I mean, I like the big man they've got in the middle. Uh, it, it's again, post plays return to college basketball. Surprising well, me. Speaking of post play, what about Gonzaga? You know, Gonzaga almost yeah, did it yeah. last year. They they've been the number one team. Uh, you know, between Timmy and and Chet. What do you think of Chet? What do you think of Chet Holmgren? He's going to have uh, to put some weight on him, or else he'll be another Sean Bradley. Uh, I mean, what about KD? You don't you see KD I, I, does, I don't think the Vegas is as good as they were last year. I mean, yeah, they're, they're still not a good championship, but they're 
They don't. I mean, Jalen Suggs was was very important to them as a point as a point guard, and I you know I like the guys they have, but I just don't. I just don't think they're as good. We, this, we don't have dominant teams this year. Last I, year we had two dominant teams. This year anybody could win it. I think you can clearly see by the fact that all six of the top six lost on one day last week. Right, one day all six, top six lose that this is a very mediocre year in terms of college basketball overall, and which is fine. That happens. There's just no great, you know, captivating storyline other than Coach K retiring, right? But there's no player or team individually that's taking the entire world by storm. And so this is this is one of those years where, uh, you know, a UConn, who an 11-seeded UConn, a 9-seeded UConn could make a run, whoever that is, um, and win it all, legitimately win it all. Dad, do you have any thoughts on who could win it? Um, I, you know, it, it's really tough for me to guess. I'd rather go back and beat up on Duke a little bit more. So who's, okay. your, who's your least favorite Duke player of all time, Ernest? Oh, that's easy. It's Leitner. <laughs> I don't know. There's another guy pretty recent that I have no love for. It's got to be like you know, the fact that he won and so smug and everything. You, you know, my I got two favorite Duke players. I, I like Grant Hill oh. and I, 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 you know, I like Sean, Sean Battier. Yeah, those quality. are smart guys, quality yes. guys. I mean, there have been some decent guys who come through that are they're quality individuals and have flourished to a certain extent. I think Battier will be a coach one day. I think he has that. He was able to adapt his game. I think I think JJ Redick is one of those players that felt like he was going towards the Christian Leitner category, <laughs> and and throughout yeah, but... his his entire NBA career, being such a professional, has suddenly you know gravitated towards the uh, the other category, the Shane Battier category of, of he went against, respect he went, to Duke players. Yeah, but he did what the mafia tells you never do. He yeah, went family. He told on Zion. Yeah, he went against the family. But you know, I don't. It might have been directed from the mob uh, leader himself to try and wake up Zion a little bit, oh, try and get him out there. Conspiracy. I, I think I think we're gonna look at Zion like we do Odin. You know, oh yeah, check my Odin and Durant thing. You know, I've had my tweets ready. I've had I've I've tweeted about Zion since he was drafted. That I I've been consistent. If you go back on this podcast a couple years. Zion just has bust ring all of them. I like Zion. He's clearly an immense talent, but he's never going to play more than 40 games a season, ever, ever. And he, and he wants to leave New Orleans. He wants to go to New York. He wants to play with his buddies. Well, let's – can we talk about Zion for a minute, Dad? Do we, yep, do we have roll this? It. All right, let's – so here's my thought on Zion. He's never going to be the superstar that everyone wants him to be. We're going to accept that in the next 24 months when – he clearly just cannot physically do it. That's okay. Accept, accept your limitations. Be who you are. He's going to try and get one more massive deal. It's going to end up happening five years from now. I hope it's sooner. He's going to be the same player he always has been, broken down with, with flashes of greatness. But in this modern NBA, teams are going to recognize that value. He's going to end up either on the Miami Heat, just because I'm betting on their culture to still be a top team in the next five years or some title contender as a sixth man, but really more like an eighth or a ninth man. And really what you do is you don't play him most nights, you know, with about 
six, eight weeks left in the regular season, you up his game time, up his minutes. And then when it comes to playoff time, you have an absolute second unit killer, right? Zion off the bench as a second unit stud just comes in and dominates against other team's second units. And just keep him healthy in the regular season, get him ready. You know, so so that way he's a he's a role player, he's not a superstar, and he still gets to do what he's best at, right? So it, you're not forced to play him every game for the tickets, for the jersey sales. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I best case scenario see for Zion. Or right? he's Griffin without a jump shot. I mean, whoa, look- no, whoa, 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 whoa! That is very disrespectful to Blake Griffin. <laughs> I, whoa, can we? Ca- yeah, okay, he, I, he, I, he singly, single-handedly carried the Detroit Pistons to maybe like a sixth seed one year, and he put up LeBron James numbers for an entire season. For an entire season, didn't miss any time, and his body's been broken ever since. But, yeah, well, now he's old. contender coming off the bench. Yes, okay, I see. I see what you're saying, but give Blake Griffin some respect. At his peak, at his prime. He was an MVP level talent who consistently showed it on the court. Right? But he played. He played through injuries to his own detriment long term. That's what he did. Zion's got to keep off the weight. First off, he's going to look like Sean Kemp in about twelve months. Ooh, we're not careful. Play with not as many kids. I mean, he's just a litany of <laughs> Duke players who of late, Okafor, Bagley, guys who've come out who just. Not really delivered. Whose pro career is nowhere close well, to what Bagley started oh. in Sacramento, so we can maybe see how he pans out with the Pistons here. The the Pistons, by the way, trying to tank, and they're doing a bad job at it since they've gotten Bagley. They've won like three out of like five or six games. They're not in last place anymore. It's terrible. Tank for Pacha or for tank, Smith. Tank for whoever, man. The Pistons just need help, or they can get it. If you're the Pistons right now, and it's going to come down to Poncho and Smith of Auburn, Poncho is probably more NBA ready. Poncho, yeah, here's the thing. Smith Smith has a higher ceiling, I believe. Yeah, I think you take the higher ceiling with Smith. Maybe see what the yeah we'll see we'll see what the lottery brings. We'll see what the lottery brings. But uh, I'm down for the long term build here. No shame in it. High potential, high ceiling. Um, anyways, Zion, last thing on him. He's, he's a great kid. People forget he's like 21 years old. He's super quiet. And I think JJ was calling him out to circle it back because he just needs to be told, you know, you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to step up and be a better teammate. I think everyone likes Zion. No one dislikes Zion, but he just has no idea how to lead. Right. And that's, that's okay. The GM just pull off a steal getting McCollum. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, you got McCollum, you got Ingram. That's Maybe. that's a pretty good, uh, you know, crew to ride with for Zion. Uh, but you know, Valanciunas is the center, so that kind of clogs up the territory. He wants, I think, he wants to be on a team with a high post center, so he can have the lane all to himself. And he doesn't have that there, and they didn't oh, have the that when Adams healthy, was right? there when he's healthy. They didn't have that with Adams. They don't have that with Valanciunas. So, I, you know, I, I think he wants to go to New York, and I think that's what he's doing. And as we've seen in the NBA, if you pout long enough and you tell them where you want to go, they will trade you. 
I I'm nervous for Zion in New York. He he's a kid from middle of nowhere, South Carolina, who went to Duke. He's lived in New Orleans. I don't know, man. I don't know. Don't like well, it. Well, they think they'll capture some magic with with uh, R.J. Barnett and the other Duke players, and mm-hmm. I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, I, I think Thibodeau would be the worst coach for Zion. Well, oh, they really <laughs> Zion, you have to play sixty minutes tonight. We're, we're you're playing in overtime every minute too, even on your knee. First game back. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think Tibbs Tibbs would would just burn him out and damage him uh, to the extent that he could not be a decent ball player. So I think that's the worst place to go. But uh, I, you know, no one stays in New Orleans. That's that's always been the thing. It's been a pathway for players. They all want to get traded away. Chris Paul. Yeah, New Orleans is a nothing franchise. The New Orleans Pelicans are, are a boring franchise. They've been cursed ever since 2002. No one cares about them. We don't like them. We're an anti-Pelicans <laughs> podcast. Wow. Uh, they, ruined my, they ruined my dreams as a kid. Wow. They ruined my dreams as a kid. Here we go, Ernest. When I was, uh, we had just moved to Michigan. My dad realized I was homesick, purchased tickets for a Detroit Pistons Hornets basketball game. <laughs> we drive up like two and a half hours because it's on the wrong side of Detroit, the old palace in Auburn Hills. Um, go to this Pistons game. I'm so excited to see my Hornets because, you know, I grew up in North Carolina going with you two uh, right in the back of a pickup truck, uh, the back of the cab, not the actual back of a pickup truck right to these games watching baron davis jamal mashburn etc etc we go to the game so excited to see my hornets and you know what they're wearing for jerseys right ernest mardi gras colors new orleans they're wearing well the more important thing is it said new orleans big old letters right across the front and then that that hurt that hurt as a kid it wasn't real until that moment uh yeah, that, yeah. That, that brings up, you know, Baron Davis has one of the rarely talked about NBA records. Uh, Not, steals, blocks, longest shot. He took a ball in the corner against the Bucks when they were the Charlotte Hornets. Did a hook shot from full court, nothing but net. Wow! And it's considered the longest shot made in the NBA. Probably, probably just about the longest possible shot. Huh? Yeah, 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 from the corner. I mean, unless you were falling out of bounds or something like what that. What is he I, doing now, Baron Davis? Is he announcing? I, he's film producing. He's a big-time film producer. He got in that with when he was at Golden State. He does a lot of independent films and has gotten fat, as we all have. Uh, he's <laughs> but, uh, he's, he's not in plain rich. weight? No, not, not, not the P-H-A-T. <laughs> uh, he he went to school with Jessica Alba in high school, Ooh. and she linked him up with, and he does uh, film work now. He has his own production company. Yeah, speaking of people who have not gotten fat, that's yeah, she's, story for another um, day. Jessica yeah. Alba still yes. looking yes. fantastic. Yes. Keep Remember, we're going to keep PG rating, PG rating. <laughs> yes. All um, right, well then let's go wait, on to – hey, to... Your dad picked our NBA finals last week. Well, who that's what I was going to get to. David, oh, I'm sorry, I jumped the gun. You jumped so, the gun. Let's go for it, Ernest. Let's talk about NBA. Well, it's changed so much. I'm still going to go with uh, Golden State. They get uh, Green back. And uh, who did I pick in the East? Who did I pick? Miami. Miami. I'll stick with Miami. Miami, Golden State. 
you know, uh, you guys have talked about it, but it, two things really just stand out to me is the fact that the Suns are just so good. I just cannot believe their regular season record. I guess, you know, I've been I'm following along with the NBA this year, not as intensely as in seasons past, just because my referee schedule was really picked up. But the fact that the Suns are just so legitimately good, it just blows my mind. Uh, to only have 12 losses on the year. Then Paul's, when you, injury does, Paul's injury doesn't bother you? Of course, it, it bothers me, but I was just speaking on the fact that how good they've been, right? Just purely yeah. good. I, I, I'm picking Golden State. There was no, de- there were no hesitation there. I just cannot believe. I wanted to compliment the Phoenix Suns for for the first part. Think about the the Warriors, you know, with Steph and Clay, and now Jordan Poole and Andre Iguodala is doing a job off the bench at 38 years old, which still like that should be recognized. 38 years old and he's playing 20 minutes a game still. Um, it's just unbelievable. The Warriors are there. They're going to be there. Don't, Dave, don't forget Jonathan Kumunga, uh, the refer- the rookie from the uh, elite team, who's filled in very well for them. They've got all of the pieces, right? It's like, oh, hey, they're just restocking, reloading here for the next three or four years of Steph's final run. Um, but also, I want to say, Javal McGee has had a quietly like blessed career the past few years. I wonder, is he? He's got to be a great locker room influence. He's on the Suns right now. You know, he was part of the Lakers title team. He was a part of at least a few of the Warriors title teams. Olympic um, medalist. Olympic medalist, Javon. That's right. I, you know, he he obviously was such a goofball. You know, the 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 victim of shacking a fool for so long. Well, everybody uh, remembers him trying to manufacture a triple double. Right. He tried to bounce it off the backboard and get an extra rebound. And that so, that. One time that's kind of stuck with him is, is it know. seems like veteran 10 year veteran Javal McGee's professionalism plus maybe it's just goofy outlook now that it's a little bit more professional really does does wonders for a locker room. Uh, it is something probably basketball GMs are looking at like, OK, well, that's that's a good character to try and find. Uh, but then in the East, it's also so amazing that the East is better than the West, right? Like there's no. Are there questions about that anymore? Like, I think the power has shifted. Um, you know, who who are the conference semifinalists in the East is really the question because you obviously have uh, Milwaukee, the 76ers. Um, oh. You speak Sixers. Tyrone Maxey. Right. His play has got him up to the being that third star. I mean, he's just so fast, quick. So, so between uh, who I can't. Oh, the Heat, obviously. The Heat, the 76ers, the Bucks are the top three teams. Ernest, for you, who is the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference? Is it the Chicago Bulls, or is it the um, the Celtics? Or the Celtics? The The Bulls or the the Celtics? The way the Celtics have been playing the last few years, and I just I have a. I know people are talking about his MVP, but DeMar Ramosen, uh, I just can't, I, I can't buy it. I mean, I know yeah. he set a record for number of 30-point games in a row and all this, beating Michael Jordan's record. Something's not been done since Wilt. But, you know, it's, it's he's just a mid-range shooter. He's not a dependable three-point shooter. And 
I don't know. I just I can't buy it. And they've got a lot of injuries. Lonzo Ball's out. They got a yeah. few other guys. I just I don't. I haven't bought the bullshit. I'm, I'm the Celtics seem to be getting their stuff together. Or Nets. Or Nets. Or we gotta get into the play. You know what's gonna happen is we're gonna probably play the Nets in the play in turn. Well, you know the Hornets are three and seven in the last ten. They lost to the Detroit Pistons, which. <laughs> Broke like a 17 game winning streak against yeah, the Pistons. Yeah. Well, which Haywood is is Haywood always goes down for 20 games, and it's he's down for his 20 games. Now. Well, that was pretty amazing considering three weeks ago I went with my wife to a Charlotte Hornets Detroit Pistons game and got to see Lamelo Ball in person, and that was amazing. I mean, he's just a character, right? He's a show into himself. Worth the price of admission just to watch him be a goofball on the floor. Uh, but the Hornets scored a franchise record most points in the first half against the Pistons uh, it, or in their entire franchise history. Uh, maybe like 75 points. They just David, they're, miss. They're, they're consistently inconsistent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, LaMelo Ball is special. I mean, he's oh, genuinely the, special. The talent. We just got to get a center. We don't. Yeah. Our best center is six foot seven right now. That's oh, yeah. It, I think Harrell. We were there for his first game. I think his first game might have yeah. been against the Pistons. Um, Him and uh, Terry Rozier actually were roommates in Louisville together, so he lobbied hard to get them. But oh, they man. were they were talking about uh, Turner, Miles Turner from Indiana, but undoubtedly the asking price. And and when they got rid of Sarbonis, that kind of lessened the need. It gave him some room. In the yeah, center. what a plot twist there. After all the years in, in Indiana of, of Vane, we're going to trade Miles and build our team around Sabonis. Uh, for them to ultimately trade Sabonis and just say, hey, we're, we're full rebuilding. And getting Miles Halliburton, Turner was stuck. Getting Halliburton, I think that was a good trade for Indiana. Yeah, so Sacramento. So, yeah. so Sacramento. Uh, okay, so so we're picking the Celtics over the Bulls in the four spot. You think as the fourth yes. best team Eastern? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. The one thing, <laughs> there was a YouTube video that came out that I saw. It was about maybe produced maybe a year ago, and, and the question was posed: Who in the NBA is the most like Michael Jordan, just on statistics, not on achievements, awards, but pure measurables and analytics? And you know who the top two players were out of all the players in the NBA who played over the last 15 years. Do you know who they were, Ernest? Top two that ranked way above everyone else. Please tell me not DeRozan, but wow. That's a that's a good... So I'll tell you, Michael Jordan is on record as saying Russ Westbrook is the one who play, who he thinks plays the most like him, but Russ did not rank... Yeah, my fear has always been picking him up because he is uh, the epitome of the end of the squad. If you get him, you're not winning any more games. (sighs) Most like him. There are two that were outliers compared to everyone else. And these measured everything from hand size to where where shots are made on the court. Michael Jordan didn't shoot that much, so I almost say DeRozan, even though I hate De- DeRozan was number one, and Kawhi Leonard number two. Yeah. yeah. And those two were were way above everyone else. When it came to defense, shooting, where they shot the fl- on the floor, DeRozan's such a mid-range killer. Kawhi's hands are the only, like, Kawhi and Michael Jordan have had, like, the two largest sets of hands over the past, like, 30 years. 
goes to NBA players. By the way, um, I just got an APA, APB for uh, uh, Kawhi and for Josh Randall. They have both not been seen anywhere since last year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Kawhi, man, what a what a part-time Michael Jordan, if there ever was one, man. It's like the antithesis of MJ's desire, but but everything about the skill, right? Well, we got to check Josh Randall for, for steroids. He had that one outlier year. He's become the Brady Anderson of the NBA. Ooh, that's a Boy, deep that cut. was an inside deep, deep Wow, deep. that's a Baltimore Orioles reference, folks. Yeah, baseball. that was a deep one in there. Speaking about, about baseball, since we have an, a lawyer in the house here, right now MLB and the Player Association can't agree, not a shock to anybody, and mm-hmm. the MLB uh, Player Association feels offended that the owners are treating them like uh, less than intelligent. About like employees, like hey, <laughs> hey, we'll give you a, a lollipop if you forget about the money type of thing. Um, and that's the main thing is how much money are the players going to get? From my point of view, David, oh, I have opinions. Huh? I have opinions. I have opinions. Okay, go for it. Opinion. First off, you always support labor. End of story. Pro labor, anti owners. Uh, just no questions asked. Anytime there's a strike, you always support the labor movement. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's rich people or not. Right? So, so I'm supporting the players. Players have a right to their opinion. They need, they need to be to be well compensated, right? MLB revenue is up. I don't want to hear uh, about how values might be struggling on, on certain things, whatever. The fan base is dying, et cetera, et cetera. It's all fear mongering from from the owners. Um, However, that, that being said, if I was to pick one thing to improve baseball, it would be to reduce the number of games from 162 to 110, 120 tops. Of course, that kills revenue right there, so they're not ever going to do that. The players would never agree to that. Um, but ba- baseball is just such a non-entity for me, and I think a lot of people my age and maybe even for you guys, just no. throughout the season, right? No, no, no. 162 games. I know you you host an amazing baseball podcast, Dad. Boys of Summer. Um, nice, nice plug, nice save there. But yeah, um, baseball has to get their head out of their butts, if you put it kindly here, and say it's another bad look. Every couple of years, they have such a bad look because the commissioner has zero power, zilch, none. The owners have him by the tail, and the players. I mean, in this day and age, with everything going on in the world, it's hard to feel compassionate for the players if they're already making a couple hundred thousand or more. Whoa, whoa, what about the owners who are already making? A, yeah, how, how I'm many, getting that. We're talking about billionaires. I'm getting it. I'm getting there. But the point yeah. is justice and fair. Look at how the NBA players have that league so sewn up. It's the sheer quantity of the MLB players that makes the owners think everybody's replaceable, and they're not. Just think about how these um, free agents come along, and there's no rogue owners right now to bust up or make this a more interesting, better negotiation. If there was rogue owners, I think this might get done quicker. If there was a Steinbrenner or something like that, but all the owners are terrified of Boris and the other agents, and they feel like this is where they got to draw they're lying in the sand. Ernest, your turn. What people tend to forget is this is a lockout. It's not a strike. The owners have determined this. 
They've got to continue yeah, the terms. You continue the terms of the last agreement until they came up with a new agreement. You got a group of new owners that have not gone through this. Yami owners uh, are still operating that were in management during the 1995 strike. None. One. Oh, one. Well, we Ryan. already have Jerry our, Reinsdorf. Jerry we have Reinsdorf. our own cheap owner who uh, is new to the scene and is doing no good at all. And Chris Illich, Detroit Tigers. So well, and again, the the this is the owners have done this. The players would have continued with the same agreement until they had completed a new one, which was done the last two times. And owners have decided they're not going to give up any of the revenue. Here's the thing: basically, players want more money. The owners want more playoff games because it generates more revenue than regular season games. And to varying degrees, they're going to hammer that out. Owners are going to have to come off the hip. Uh, they've got to, now the one thing the players want that they're not going to get is a way of preventing players. Right now, teams manipulate the service time for ability to become a free agent. What they'll do is they'll bring in Chris Bryant has always been the example. They brought him in a month into the season, so he lost an entire year accruing time to be able to declare for free agency and teams are going to continue to do that um the players association but you know you're gonna have to have a trade-off and that's what we're gonna have but when when i say may may 1st because you think think the season starts may 1st i think it starts may 1st because the regional regional sports networks do not penalize teams until 25 games are lost oh Mm. Mm. And, and see, they, they get the teams would still get their full broadcast money without 25 games. And they'll pay a, they'll make a deal where the players get paid for the entire year. And if the I players think, are working out right now. They're working okay. out and scrimmaging. So they're I, ready. I mean, they didn't have to have a last time during the epidemic. Uh, they didn't have to have an entire month of spring training. But, but you know, once you're again, get by delaying and playing this game, the so Im- look- you're losing fans, I guess I'm saying. Yeah, can I? Can I? Uh... I Listen, it comes down to two things to them: revenues or fans. What do you think the importance is? Yeah, yeah. Sports betting. Sports betting is probably changing the dynamics here a lot. Because you got, you got a football league yeah. that is starting in a month, which is going basically is coming into existence for betting. The USFL yeah. is only there for sports betting. They're playing in the same location. Every game is the same stadium. Michigan Panthers, home field in uh, Birmingham, uh, uh, Alabama. There yeah. we go. That's, that's again, right. it's it's a league built for betting, and that's what all sports are essentially becoming. The fans in the stands are the least dependable revenue. Every other revenue stream is guaranteed. Okay, say those Our two words, right. Ernest. We have to have filthy lucre. Money is always the answer. We need to have it's a always- T-shirt made. Filthy lucre. Filthy lucre. All and put our, our logo on it. Money is the answer to any of the questions. It's, it's basically money. Sad, but that that's true. So you know, of course, what happens with baseball here, uh, if if they continue to have this lockout and they lose an entire summer, you know, hypothetically, it's not going to happen. But hypothetically, they lose a summer, a part of a summer. Uh, you know what starts in the next month here. That will get all of the eyes, all of the media attention. Uh, just signed a deal with ESPN to broadcast games uh, in the relative in the past 12 months. Is this the M- baseball again? MLS. 
The MLS. We had to have a soccer drop. Tonight is when uh, my home team plays their first home game with the highest attendance. 72,000 people attending the LA Galaxy and Chicago and Charlotte football team. 70,000 people in the city of Charlotte for an MLS game? I've got a question, Ernest. What's the highest attendance number for a professional baseball game in the city of Charlotte <laughs> at the highest oh, level? Uh, actually, believe it or not, the Charlotte Knights lead minor leagues in attendance. They average uh, generally around 15,000. All right, 15,000. Not bad. Yo, listen, I wanted a major league team before a soccer team. I got to oh, be I honest know, with I know, you. I know, I know. I and wanted I'm, a base. I'm, I'm just I'm, teasing that 70,000 people in the South are going to a major league soccer it's game. It's the future. At, at the Meanwhile, same time, at the major same league baseball time, is locked out. Yep. At the same time, about 14,000 are attending a Spurs Hornets game about four blocks away. All right, Welcome. our time is ticking. Our, our time is ticking, and we promise, Ernest, that since pardon the confusion, it's not just sports; it's also about culture. So, we have our own version of Cisco and Ebert. David doesn't remember them, but Ernest and I do. So, Ernest, you're going to review two new movies yes. right now Un- for us: Uncharted, which is based on the PlayStation game, uh, which is a combination of Da Vinci Code in uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, Tom Holland uh, takes over the character Nathan Drake. Spider-Man. Yes. He actually filmed this before the last Spider-Man movie. I always thought the, the guy in Serenity would have been a better job uh, and, and he would have done it better. But it's intriguing. If you've ever played the game, it starts off in a dangerous situation. And the movie does also. He is... Uh, hopscopping among uh, cargo boxes that are falling out of the back of a cargo plane, trying to get to the plane before he falls too far away. And it's the search for, uh, you know, if you know uh, Hitchcock movies, there's always called the MacGuffin. That's the item of desire, and that's what this is. And it's a great little set of action pieces. It's, it's a rainy day Saturday afternoon movie. Action. Is Tom Holland too likable? <laughs> is he, is no, he too he's not. likable? He's not too likable. I, I, I love Tom Holland. I really no. enjoy his movies. And he is so likable as a personality. But something just... I just can't, like, love him. I, I, I So he's your third he's, favorite Spider-Man? Oh, no. He's or number two. Best. He's, he's number, number two. two. Who's number one? Toby. Yeah. Uh, well, it I guess... Was, it, he, have you seen the last Spider-Man movie? No. No, I have not. I've not split. seen it yet. When, well, everybody knows that when McGuire comes yes. on, it's just a warm feeling. I know he's forty-five years old, <laughs> but but you know he and he plays a forty-five-year-old man in the movie. It's just a, a warm little part. But Holland, I mean, it surprises people when he talks in his real British accent. It kind of mm-hmm. blows people away. But uh, like I said, this was this is you know, generally speaking, video game movies. Don't do that well. Uh, Assassin's can, can, Creed can I, crashed. Go ahead. Can I answer your question right quick? Uh, let me re, let me reposition my order. Um, Peter B. Parker from Into the Spider Verse, <laughs> favorite Spider Man, <laughs> um, which is uh, Jake. Not Miles. Not Miles. Well, uh, Miles is up there. Miles is, is is like the new Robin to Batman, right? Spider Man. Not Chris Pine. Uh, no, no, Chris Pine, Pine is not. Did a good job. No, Peter B. Parker, who is the the guy from New Girl, um, not Nick Nolte as no Noir Nick Miller, Spider-Man. Nick Miller, Nick Miller, huh? Nick no, Miller. 
Well, uh, that's Nick, his... Nick Cage. Nick Cage was noir. <laughs> okay, goes the character. Go ahead. Nick Nick Miller is the name of the new girl guy, and I can't remember his actual name. That's his character. Jake Johnson. Jake, Jake Johnson. Johnson. Thank you, Jake Johnson. And then for number two, the guy who plays Spider-Man in the PS4 video game. Uh, the PS4. Wow, what a deep Sony cut. PlayStation. A no, it's not a deep That's cut. It's only. One. It's a ten out of ten. No, okay. not the Miles one. It's the, the Spider-Man. Sony Spider-Man. 10 out of 10, best video game of all time, you know, on different lists. It, that's the definitive Spider-Man story. If you ever really want to get into it, so much, ner- just everything. Um, yeah, and the movies are... are well, that, that naturally leads to my next and my next movie. Who's your favorite <laughs> Batman? Don't say uh, Adam West. I I couldn't care less about Batman, oh, if I'm being oh, honest. Wow, boy. No, no, uh, You want me to care about billionaires being sad and, and all goth? Uh, Isn't that Iron Man? Isn't that Iron Man? Iron Man? Oh, I don't... I, I hate that like Spider-Man's Man. connected to Iron Man now, and that's a whole other tangent. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I don't... Billionaires can go away. Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. Iron Man died. He's connected to Dutch Strange. Uh, Paul, your favorite Batman? Uh, Michael Keaton. Oh, I gotta go with Bale. But then I'm going to tell you, the Batman, Robert Pattinson does a pretty good job. You know, the joke going around is it took him 10 years to turn from a vampire to a bat. <laughs> but I'm bum bum. Thank you very much. This is, uh, <laughs> I gave David like that one. Okay. Uh, the, this is a three hour movie. Okay. Three hours, no intervention. And it's really two movies. Takes strongly from now I'm a Batman connoisseur, so it takes very much from the uh, graphic novel The Long Halloween, and when Batman finds out something about his parents, uh, it also sets up at the end of the movie for Batman's uh, No Man's Land and Hush, which are the two seminal graphic novels about Batman. But uh, if you liked Zodiac, if you liked Seven. If you like detective movies, this is the movie for you. It is very dark. I didn't know Batman lived in Seattle, but it <laughs> rains the entire movie long. Ooh, ooh. It is, it is a, again, you think it's over, there's another hour to it. It could have been tightened up. It is extremely bloody. It is extremely violent. You know how every Batman has represented a different one? Like Clooney was the silly one. Adam West was the, the gawky one. Bale was the brooding one. And Val Kilmer was the pretty one. Patterson is the angry. I mean, Batman is P.O. He beats the living you-know-what out of people. And it's, it's against the evolution of the character. You forgot Ben one, Affleck in that. What is Ben Affleck as a Batman? He was the old weary one. <laughs> Originally, this movie was supposed to be with him in it. He was going to direct it. And he backed out, even though he's in the next Flash movie as, as Batman. So is Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton will also be Batman in the Batwoman movie. So it's a, it's a Keaton reassault. Is every I movie guess. doing time travel these days? Every yeah, single one. Well, not not time travel, dimension. Oh, alter it's the universe. Multiverse. Right? Yeah. Well, everybody's multiverse now. That's the whole idea, and that started with. Tell us, David. Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, into the spider because Into the Spider Verse is 
one of the best movie experiences you'll ever and its sequel have. comes out in its sequel part one comes out in October. So I'm so excited to take my kids to see it in movie theaters again. It the first one blew my mind. I was not expecting it to be so quality. You know, cartoon movies, you just don't expect it. Seeing it in movie theaters just showed me what you could do without live acting. And you just do so much more. Ah, it was so great in every way. And the so voice great. acting was superb. So uh, John John Mulaney as Spider Pig. I mean, it was just voila. Ernest, how that? would you rate this the Batman as a movie just generally? Would you give it like uh, seven out of ten? No- well, yeah, I'd give it an eight. It's below the Nolan movies because there is no humor in this whatsoever. Uh, I would rate it below the Nolan movies. Maybe the first Batman with Keaton, uh, much better than the Batman with Catwoman, and better than the uh, what was attempted to do with the Snyderverse, Snyder's movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, much better than that. It's it's again, it's a very dark movie. Uh, have you ever, either one of you ever seen Zodiac? Nope. Either one of you ever seen Seven? Nope. Okay. Please, those are excellent movies. Uh, this is a, you know, what's Batman's nickname? World's greatest detective. That's what Ra's al Ghul always calls it, detective. This is a detective movie. Okay. This is one you have to figure out all the way through. And it's very, very dark. Did and you know, did you figure it out before the end? A lot of the clues, I, only because I have read The Long Halloween. That's the only reason why I knew a lot of... The major plot points, there still is one at the very end that kind of caught me off guard. But uh, again, it's it's based on one of the great graphic novels of all time. So I, I think my worry is this is not a kiddie movie. This is a movie no. for adults. No. Very and, dark. And, and they're the, going to the lose some of the tickets because of that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Matt Reeves, he did the, the, the uh, Planet of the Eight movies. The the trilogy that came out about five or six years ago, he does very serious stuff, but intelligent, intelligent. Yeah, it's not going to get the kiddies. I don't think it it won't get the box office that that uh, the last Spider Man, but I think it'll it'll do fairly well. All and right. I guess it came out in March. All right. Well, maybe next time we'll have a podcast. We'll do our Academy Award type predictions. I know Ernest I'll- likes to do that every year. All right, that's it, guys. Your last 30 seconds because we're running late. David? Liverpool is on to win four trophies in one year. It'd be the first time in English football history, first time in European football history that ever be done at a top level. They won the League Cup this past week. They're still on for the FA Cup, which is all of the teams in England combined in a tournament. Uh, the Champions League they're still on for, and they're only a point behind Manchester City for the Premier, Premier League title. Ooh. So that's four four titles they could win in one calendar year. Never been done before in European football. Uh, would would make them the greatest team of all time. Uh, so Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool, you'll never walk alone. There we go. All right, Ernest, Sales 30 pitch. seconds. Well, since I have a soccer expert, I need to ask a question. Because of the Ukrainian situation and the freezing of Russian assets, we've already yes. seen how this has affected Chelsea. Yes. There are Chelsea's, many other. Go ahead. So Chelsea's billionaire owner, who has brought so much success to them, uh, is putting the team up for sale. 
uh, et cetera, et cetera. Everton, Liverpool's big in-town rival, uh, one of the big clubs in, in <coughs> English football. Uh, their their quote-unquote owner, he's not technically technically an owner, but he inv- he puts all the money towards the team. And then a person who <coughs> controls his finances technically owns the team. Uh, they've had to step back from him this week. Uh, they've stepped back from all Russian sponsorships, which was their stadium name, <coughs> their shirt sponsor. They're financially crippled right now. There are multiple teams in Europe who have Gazprom, which is the major Russian gas company, across their shirts, crippled. Uh, all all Russian soccer teams that are competing in European competitions have been kicked out of the competitions um, until further notice. And Russia is basically kicked out of the World Cup that's happening in Qatar in December 2022. Um which brings up its own mess, because if, if we're going to have all these sanctions against Russia for what they're doing, we probably shouldn't be hosting the World Cup in Qatar uh, in December of this year. So this is a big domino effect, having a big domino effect all across European soccer right now, without a doubt. Um, so yeah, do, you for, do you foresee a team being taken over by a, a country? As they become the assets, we've seen several so, yachts already. So PSG, Paris Saint Germain, Germain, uh, however you say it, uh, PSG, the All Star team right now. They, they are they are owned by the Qatari uh, government fund, bank fund. Somehow that was approved. So Qatar, the state, the country, literally owns PSG, the largest club in the world. Um, uh, Newcastle. In the Premier League, was just bought this year for a record fee by the Saudi, the Saudi Arabia um, government trust fund. Not the government. Officially, the government cannot own a soccer team in Europe, but the trust fund can, and they just purchased Newcastle for like 3.5 billion dollars, um, and they're they're basically attempting to sports wash their their regimes misdeeds the same in the same way that psg is doing or qatar is doing with psg and right. qatar has bin network which is one of the biggest soccer channels on cable yes and qatar also owns manchester city so the whole sports washing theory you know you buy a team you invest billions of dollars into the local community of that team and to the team itself build state-of-the-art world-class facilities win lots of things and then suddenly the country that you're investing in thinks good of you uh, and and not about the bad things that happen. Uh, but here in America, Donald Sterling and uh, Mr. Schneider in Washington can't buy that goodness or gracious with yeah. their past and present ownership of teams. All things considered, American sports owners are, are <laughs> infinite, infinitely less harmful to society, still harmful, infinitely less harmful than... Than most European soccer owners, um, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Some people might say Snyder may not fall in that category, but go ahead. Yeah, I, don't, I, I guess I might not be. Is he friends with Vladimir Putin? Does he, does he have like close, super close ties? No, he might. Actually, I don't know. Uh, that's the owner of the Patriots is pretty close to Putin. Remember? Yeah, he yeah. He had, super Bowl ring. He has a friend that used to live in. Uh, uh, so something on Pennsylvania Avenue. In, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that fighting. wraps up our podcast for tonight. <laughs> there we go. There, there we go. go. All right, Ernest and David, thanks for 
joining in, talking about all things sports and even more for bonus entertainment. So for these guys, this is Paul Arnold. Have a good night.